of love. You know, there's many ways that we express our love for God. And um, I think that's what makes worship so awesome is that we get to express our love for him. You know, as simple as that. So there's many, many stories in the Bible that, that speak of God's love for his people. You know, um, so I just, you know, I've, I've been reading this book. It's called Not God Enough. It is endorsed by some of the, um, the leaders. It's not just some random book that I'm grabbing my theology from. And it's been such a good book, you know, just really trying to break down the walls of how I've, how I've boxed God and how big he actually is, you know. Just when you've thought you, you're able to understand his love for you or how big he is, I think you've, you, you've, you've still undershot it, you know. So that's obviously the mystery of, of pursuing God is that to some sense we would never really um, know him fully, but we know that he is just so awesome. And we see it in and around us. And when he touches our hearts, we just know. You can't explain it. You know, like it's something supernatural. And so Carl thought the, the, the heading for, for this evening was um, loving the unlovable, right? Which is, which is obviously fitting. I think that's, that's probably been a headline of a preach at some point. It wasn't the most original, but... Oh, great. <laughs> Pass it on. Um, but when I think of love, and, and it speaks about it, yeah, I think of better experienced than explained, right? So we, we can unpack love forever. We can explain it till we go blue, but it's really once you've experienced it, does it change you, right? And so I think of just love relationships that I, that I have with my, my wife and, and my kids and my family and my friends, you know, and it's very limited, it's like this, this balloon that, that gets to a point. You use the word because it's, it's, it's just so usable. But to really understand it um, is where you, your mind actually gets blown. And so you've probably heard it before, but love is endless. God's love for us is endless. And so we have this ability to enter into this relationship with God where it's just an, it's an ever-growing love. Like you love your wife, day one, but after nine years, it's possible that your love is still the same from day one. But if you, if I would say if you're intentional about it, you always want to try and grow your, your relationship with your wife. And so that you get to that point where it's like, oh, you're just more in love with her than, than ever. So <clears throat> the story I'm going to be using is um, Jonah and the whale. Right? And you guys have all heard that story. Uh, let me just get to my pages here quick. So Jonah was asked to go and plant a church or to go and preach to the Ninevites, the same people that um, basically killed his, his tribesmen and stuff. Um, and yeah, he, he thought, sorry, while I'm finding my pages, I'm trying to multitask here. Yeah, it's not working. There we go. Cool. So yeah, we know the story of Jonah the whale. So God asked him to, to go to Nineveh go and preach the word. Um, he thinks differently and he hops on a ship and he tries to flee God um, until God changes, his, or, or changes the ways. A, a fish comes, swallows him, and he's coughed back out. And if we had to put ourselves in the shoes of, um, of Jonah, we'd probably understand why he did what he did. You know, Firstly, the Ninevites were probably the most ungodly people at that time. Um, they, they were ruthless. They were the worst of the worst. 
in some of the, um, the archaeologists' records, um, it was recorded that Ninevites kings used to say these exact words, a pyramid of, of, of heads are reared in front of the conquered cities. Their corpses are formed into pillars. The youths and their maidens are burnt up in flames. Right? That's some wild stuff. And so if you had to put your shoes, yourself in the shoes of Jonah, you had to wonder, God, how do you love these people? Right? Because God asked him to, to go to those people and share his word. And so firstly, he was fearful. He was fearful for his life if he had to go in there. He knew that there's a great chance that he might not come out alive. The second thing is, is that I think he hated those people. I think he was, there was something inside of him that absolutely hated those people. And he just wasn't willing to accept that God actually would make a way for them to be saved. They, are, they aren't deserving of his love ultimately. Right? And so the story, you can, you can draw two pieces. You know, the heart of Jonah which is often our standpoint. And then the other side of the story, the love of God. God loves the most sinful of people, right? And so if I draw to Jonah, Jonah is, is someone that is obviously saved. God's spoken to him, asked him to go. But Jonah thinks, in his opinion, that actually they are but too sinful. And it's unlikely that they can actually receive God's salvation. And because they've been doing all this killing, etc., God, you must be wrong. I'm going to leave, right? God, on the other hand, looks at it and says, Jonah, I'm trying to show you that these people here are sinful people. You were sinful. They are sinful. Sinful is sin. No one yet, no matter how good you think you are, is deserving of actually entering into that place one day but Jesus, Jesus on the cross, right? And so there was a bit of like he was self-righteous, his heart was in this position where I think sometimes we are at, where we think, you know, let me go and love or preach the people that are lovable, that are easy to preach, that are easy to talk to, because I think they are deserving of this message. And then we look at the other people, same people maybe that use our taxes in the wrong way, or people that perform killings, or even the people in Afghan right now, the Taliban, etc. you know, you think, oh, I couldn't go and share that message with them. And so if we really had to look at it, you know, I think God's love is bigger than what we can comprehend. I think it's more than we can understand. And I think we need to be obedient to whatever he has to say. So um, I would say just not in closing, but I think there's two, the, the two main points I wanted to draw from this was really, yeah, God loves the unlovable. He really loves the unlovable. And he, he's asked all of us here to, to really go and share that message with him, no matter what we think of the people. The second thing is we need to be careful with our hearts in how we're positioned when we go out of these doors and we go and share his word. It's really available for everyone. Um, and then the last part, which I wanted to draw on, is really just asking yourself the question at the end of the day. How do I love like you love God? Because we can explain it, we can try and comprehend it, and we can leave you, and you know, we can really put pen to paper. But I think at the end of the day, it comes through an experience, right? A revelation from God. And so, an easy example for me to use when I try to, well, not when I try to understand, but when I look at the cross, and I take a moment and just look at Jesus hanging on the cross there, 
do I realize actually what he's done for me? And I'm undeserving of, of heaven one day. But he came on the cross and died for our sins so that we could actually have a way, you know? And so I think a lot of us, or at some point in our walk or whichever season you are, you are at this place where you're like, God, come and share this revelation with me. Come and show me, show me your heart. Show me how to love like you are. Show me your face, you know? Because only that can actually change me and love like you love. And, um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that's the big thing at the end of the day, is just trusting and praying that God will actually come and reveal himself to you in a way that you can't explain, but it's only from him. So, yeah, that's the long and the short of it from my side, but cool. Sorry, my voice is a bit tens <coughs> your dawn after after the worship. <coughs> oh, awesome! <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> um, I think just yeah, just adding onto onto what Carl shared. Um, just about how God loves the unlovable. Um, and just spot on, you know, we can absolutely just delve into, into the love of God for the rest of our lives um, because His ways are not our ways um, and His thoughts are not our thoughts. Um, if you think of that, it's like... Um, and just in this week, in my devotional times, I've really been challenged reading the book of Acts, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. And... There's a part in Acts where Peter preaches a sermon at Pentecost and 3,000 people get saved and get filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, 3,000 people. And I just thought back of it. I was in a high school with about 1,500 children. And that's like times two. That's a lot of people to get saved on one day. And just reading it, I was just like, oh, you know, <laughs> I mean, here's Peter, one of the apostles who made so many mistakes, who, in a sense, almost was unlovable, you know? He was just to the point where he made mistakes, and, and I think the biggest one, the biggest doo-doo, um, is definitely uh, <laughs> where he denied Jesus, and that's in Matthew 26. If you can just put it up there, Tini, thank you. Um, and it says, Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were with Jesus, the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, and he said, I do not know the man. And after a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly, you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. And then he began to invoke a curse on himself and swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, 
before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And, and that end part where, where it says, and Peter went out and he wept bitterly. And I believe that in that moment, there was almost something in Peter's heart that dropped where he felt, man, you know, I really messed up. And to the point where he, I, th I think he could have experienced like a feeling of feeling unlovable. You know, it's just like, oh, my hat. And for me, definitely, <laughs> I don't know for, for you guys, maybe some of us sitting here, you know, we felt somewhere in our lives, we felt unlovable. You know, how can God or anyone else love me? You know, like how can a God that is so pure and so perfect love me? And <laughs> just speaking to Carl as well, and he actually made a, made a good joke <laughs> that I just want to put in here. Um, Imagine there was Facebook in the time of the Bible, you know, and I think at that point, Peter would have gone unfriend, unfriend, you know, because it was almost like this uncomfortable, oh man, I don't want to see the person. Um, and, and even for me as well, you know, it's just, there's been times where I know I've messed up against someone or, or towards someone, and you actually end up avoiding that person instead of just going to that person. <laughs> you just you walk and you're like, hey, hey, I can't. Um, and just, God loves the unlovable. And his plan is about redemption and restoration. And he doesn't want our lives to go wasted. And it's so cool, you see in, in John 21, that Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord. I love you. And Jesus says, follow me. The door is open, Peter. You've messed up. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the door is open. And I mean, that's, where, that's what blew my mind reading Acts. It's just, here's Peter who denied Jesus, who walked with Jesus. He saw the miracles Jesus did, everything, the healings, everything, or the people getting prayed for. He was experiencing that. And Jesus had enough grace and love and said to him, it's okay. And what's crazy is, if you read before that in the Gospels, Jesus told Peter, you are going to deny me. And Peter said, no, surely not, Lord. Me, I, I won't. And man, you know, I think how many of us have somewhere said, nah, not me, you know. <laughs> and then it just happens. And just praying about this, looking back at my own life, just a personal story. I was in high school and I'm in no way showboating or anything. Just in high school, I was, in my eyes, the perfect kid. Like the, I was first team rugby, first team cricket. And it was actually up until the point where my friends from grade 10 started calling me Wolfsian. They started calling me head boy. And, you know, that's to that point where you, you actually, you, you, in front of them you say, nah, no, it's not me, that's not, no. But inside it almost like it, it puffs you up. And then I actually became head boy in, in grade 12. And then after that I went on to university and I studied law for about a year and a half, emphasis on only a year and a half. 
Um, not that it was difficult, but man, my life just derailed completely, you know. Um, and I was brought up in a solid Christian home, just had everything in front of me, everything in, was in front of me to be successful. And, and I think I just, in a sense, for myself, said I had it too easy. And my life derailed, as I said, it was just, it was just a big remorse. <laughs> and even to the point where, you know, we would go out and we would drink and we would party and stuff. And then the next Sunday we would go to church. The same group that was in the club, the Friday night, would go to church on a Sunday night. So, so we were, you know, like we were, you know, we were in unity, at least. <laughs> we were consistent. <laughs> But not persistent. <laughs> and just looking at my life today, you know, I'm, I'm just here now trying to serve the Lord as I, serve the Lord as faithfully as I possibly can. Just trying to love him as well as I possibly can. And I, I messed up so bad to the point where I actually spoke to my brother-in-law the other day, and not a lot of people know this actually, but in that time where my life was really, really dark, I would sometimes sit behind my steering wheel and actually drive past trees and think, oh man, this would be a great tree to drive into. Just to take away everything that I was in at that current moment because man, I felt like, yes God, <laughs> you surely cannot love me. And just felt the Lord highlighting the way he reinstated Peter, you know, asking me three times, Peter, do you love me? And at that moment, Jesus restored Peter. He restored his life. And just thinking about how God loves the unlovable for, for us sitting here, you know. Maybe you're in a space where you just feel, man, I'm really in too deep. I can absolutely promise you there is no darkness that can hinder the grace and the love of God. Absolutely nothing. So just a reminder, you know, God loves the unlovable and he's all about restoration and redemption. And we miss just aside. God, I'm here and I want to open that door. Awesome. Giving it over. Well done, Mane. Come on, let's give him a hand. Awesome. Sure, how do you top those two preachers? At least I've got a real Bible in front. That <laughs> Any, you know what this, what this is, guys? <laughs> it's called a Bible. Um, sure. Yeah, old school. Old school. You say? Oh, the Jesus words read. No, not in this one. <laughs> I have to still color them in. Sure. Yeah, what an amazing um, word from both of you guys. You know, Brett has been chatting to us about um, loving, loving people and even going right back to when Kim came and preached and he said, you know, we, we've got to be people who open up our homes and especially in a time like this where everybody's, no, close your doors, don't open your homes, that's the last thing you want to do. Just keep your doors shut, stay in your house, keep your mask on, don't talk to anybody, social distance. And then Kim comes along and says, no, we've got to open up our homes. Um, and, you know, we, we went into sharing our stories with one another and our experiences about life and how God can use 
any part of our story and every part of our story to impact uh, people's lives. And some of the things that we pulled out of there was, was even the, the, the difficult parts and the hard parts of our stories God can use to speak into somebody else's life and encourage them. And, and then uh, last week, Brett spoke about, um, as uh, Kyle even mentioned, about loving, loving others, loving one another. What does that look like? Um, what does community look like? Um, and uh, standing out from the world, where the world is becoming so insulated and selfish, and it's me, myself, and I. And I remember, if you think back, when, the, when we first heard about the pandemic, we were having discussions with people, and like, people were rushing to the shops to, to get you know, as much toilet paper as they could, <laughs> and food and all the rest. And, and we live in a world at the moment that is, is, feels so isolated and so alone and, and so hopeless. Um, and uh, without Jesus, I, I don't know how anybody faces the future. Uh, because really, if you look at that, what's happening in the world, it almost seems hopeless. Are we ever going to get over this thing? Are we ever going to um, get anywhere? And, you know, we look at people and we have so many different opinions and so many people saying this things and these people doing that and people getting angry because of the lockdowns. And, and we live in a world that is more and more becoming so unlovable. And even people we used to get on with, we're struggling to get on with. And, um, and this theme just started picking up during the week is, is, the ne- is sort of what is next for us in terms of, okay, it's a little bit easier to love one another, but what about loving the, the unlovable? And you've, you've heard two stories so far about, um, obviously, Jonah uh, being called to go and preach the word to, to a really unlovable uh, group of people. And if you go into the book of Jonah and you see what was there and how those kings treated people, it's absolutely horrific. Um, I'm thinking uh, even, even this week, what's happening in Afghanistan um, and how they're literally hunting down Christians to find them and literally kill them. Um, Andrew actually put a post up, which was quite a, a wow post. It was like quite shocking. He said, um, basically, this week, uh, Afghan Christians will be killed for putting safety uh, for putting faithfulness ahead of safety. <laughs> and then the post was basically many American, but many Christians will, will not go to church because they're putting, uh, and not be faithful because they put safety before faithfulness. And that was like, wow, God. Wow. That like sort of hit me between the eyes. What am, you know, what am I doing? Where am I stepping out? Where am I stepping out in terms of safety? It's safe to love lovable people, isn't it? Um, and uh, we've all been through situations where God calls us to, to, to love people in the way that he does. And uh, I know there's been times in my life where we've been pouring our lives into people and chatting to people. And, and people are people. We all mess up. We make mistakes. And I really realized that my love for people is only really tested when that's the last thing I feel like doing. And often exposes the depth of my love. Do I love people that are just easy to love or... Am I loving people in the way that God loves them, which is always to bring back, always to restore, always to bring wholeness back in? And it really tests where our heart uh, is at. And you know, there's another story in the Bible, which is, which is a crazy story. Um, and it's the story of, of Hosea, uh, um, the prophet Hosea and Gomer. And I'm going to pick on uh, Mornay just because he preached so well. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, the story goes something like this. It's almost, uh, uh, and I'm not saying anything public just yet, but, um, so don't hold me to it. But it's like Mornay, he's doing TMT, he's coming in on, uh, 
uh, you know, he's intern and he's, he's been faithful and he's thinking, God, you know, when I finish TMT and I'm finished my internship, you know, what, I'm gonna, what am I going to do? I want to do great things for you. I want to guide in the world and I want to plant a church and, and, you know, like Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, I want 3,000 the first day, you know. That's, that's what I want to see. Um, and, you know, you can almost imagine his friends are saying, yeah, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And they're all going out in the field and, and here's Mornay saying, God, what do you want me to do? I want to do something for you. And God comes along and he says, well, I've got an awesome task for you. I've got a great ministry for you. Um, and, and, and you're going to get married pretty quickly. And, and there's a prophecy for you as well. And it's like, wow, I know Mornay is like excited about this marriage thing at the moment. Um, and uh, there's someone that's got an awesome prophecy for you. And, and, and God says to Mornay, well, I want you to go to, uh, there's, a, there's a lovely young lady in town. And he's thinking, oh, maybe she's part of the, the, the Cape Town congregation or whatever, you know. And God says, well, not quite. Um, uh, she lives in town, but not part of the Josh Jane congregation. And uh, God says, well, you know, I want, I want you to go and find this girl. And uh, actually, she only comes out at night. And uh, if you look carefully, I'll show you on Google Maps, but she actually comes out at night in Loop Street. And I want you to go find her and I want you to go marry her. And this prophecy that I have for you is actually, you know what? She's not going to be faithful to you. She's going to leave you. And she's going to mess around with other men. How excited would you be about going into that type of ministry? <laughs> and as you read in, in Hosea, that's exactly what, Hosea, what God came. He came to Hosea and he said, you know, I, this is what I want you to do. And um, Hosea uh, chapter 1 verse 2, it says, When the Lord first spoke to Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go and take for yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. Wow, that sounds exciting. Uh, For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Gibliam, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now, if if I was Isaiah, I would have gone for a second prophecy. I would have thought, I would have gone to the elders and said, I I definitely don't think I'm hearing God on this thing. And and the amazing thing is this, uh, I don't know, but it doesn't seem like he complained. He just went and did it. That's amazing, because I'd probably do a lot of complaining before I went and fulfilled that uh, type of ministry. Um, but this is the love of God uh, for, for people. Um, he goes, and through illustration of Hosea's life, he says, I want you to go marry a prostitute, um, I want you, and she's going to leave you. But in that, in your faithfulness, it's going to illustrate my love for Israel. And so you can imagine Gomer sitting there lying next, uh, Hosea, Hosea sitting next to Gomer and you know, he turns around and he's thinking wonderful thoughts. Tomorrow we're going to go for a nice cup of coffee and we're going to spend time and we're going to steal kisses around the corner and all the rest. And then he turns around and he sees and Gomer's not even in the bed. She's, she's gone. Um, and you can imagine waking up every morning looking for where's my wife? The kids are running crazy and my wife's gone. Um, and we know if we look in the story, uh, Hosea realizes and he starts to hear rumors that uh, Gomer is now, she's got together with, a, with another guy somewhere in the town. And he probably maybe thought, oh, I'm glad, I've, I'm glad that's over. And God says to him, now I want you to go and find her. I want you to go and pursue her. You've committed to her. You're an example of my love for the nation of Israel that is adulterous. And, she's, and they're always running away. And, and God kind of said to him, you know, you, we're the same. 
um, we're going to give our hearts to a people that is going to continually throw it away and throw it away and throw it away and walk away and walk away and not take it seriously. And so Hosea goes looking around in the town and he's like, he finds out, no, she's with some other guy. And this guy's actually abusive to her. It's, it's crazy that she, she left a loving husband. That's how unfaithful she was and how unfaithful Israel was. She left a, a loving husband, a faithful husband, and she went to live with an abuser who eventually got sick and tired of her, and then he basically said, okay, I'm giving you up to the slave trade, the sex slave trade. And uh, you go and stand. In those days, they'd have to stand with virtually nothing on so people could see what they were buying. And God says, I want you to go and find her, and I want you to go and buy her back. How many of us would have done that? Definitely not me. Um, and so Jose goes, and he, and he goes, and she's now 30 pieces of silver. They want 30 pieces of silver. And, and you can just even understand um, Hosea's financial position at that point. It was like, no, I've only got 15. So he had to run around and get a bale of hay and all this kind of stuff just to try and get her back. Um, and you can imagine how much of his heart must have broken at that particular time. Like, I, can't, I just can't do this. And I think there's times in our lives where God calls us to do things and we, we've either um, find ourselves in, in difficult situations relationally with people, um, situations uh, uh, with people at work or wherever and, and God's calling us to love them unconditionally we just say God I just can't do this anymore this person has hurt me and hurt me and hurt me and been unfaithful I can't do this in my own strength and God says this is my love for this for these people uh, we look at the world we're living in and 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 we're dealing with people all around us and and maybe you in a position at the moment where you say God I just can't do this anymore you're about to give up I just don't have any more strength um and the amazing thing is that, is that when we realize, you know, the word of God says to those who have been forgiven much, love much. And I think when we realize through these stories, as Carla shared with, with um, Jonah, having to go to people that were completely unlovable, and uh, he had that self-righteous attitude. You know, maybe in, even in our own hearts, we have like a pharisaical uh, heart where we say, God, you know what? Those people, yes, I'll go and talk to them, but not that person did that to me when I was younger. Or that situation happened. Or those people let me down. We say, God, yes, but not these people. Send someone else. I'm sure Jonah, many in those situations, said, God, rather just send someone else. I'm not going. In fact, he ran the other way. And you know, the main thing is that some of us are prepared to be swallowed by fish-like situations. We would rather be uncomfortable and it's horrible and rather than do what God is calling us to do. And it's miserable. I don't know about you, but when I've run away from the things that God has called me to do, I'm miserable and it's uncomfortable. And I'm not in a happy place. Um, and God continues to pursue our hearts. If we think about Peter, um, I mean, Peter, we were talking earlier in the beginning, we were talking about outside of Judas, okay, and he took his own life. We never quite know if, if Judas didn't kill himself, maybe he would have been redeemed or something might have happened. But he took his own life after he, he, he sold Jesus out. And then you have, you have Peter, who pretty much, in terms of messing up, was probably the, the, the next worst thing that you could have done in, in, in comparison to what Judas did. And um, imagine what he, mu he must have felt like. He went back to fishing. The Bible says he went back. And how many times in our lives when we feel that we've messed up or we feel unloved by God, where in your life at the moment have you gone back? To what you know. Oh, God, this is just too hard. I'm going back. You press the unfollow button and you've gone back. 
It's a miserable place to be. You know, sometimes also God, we, we know God loves us. As, 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 as Jesus met Peter on the beach um, and he said, do you love me? Do you love me? And at the end, you almost hear Peter says, Jesus, you know I love you. And I know in our hearts, we know that we love Jesus. But the shame and the stuff that comes with failure after we've really messed up, we feel that we've let God down, is like we were perhaps 100% with God and we come back and we'll say, well, I'll, I'll come this close, but, but I don't think I can be there again because shame holds us back. It's not a good place to be. And, and God is bigger than that. And in these three stories, it's a wonderful illustration of how much God will pursue you. He'll never let you go. You know, in Hosea chapter 11, and this is absolutely amazing because um, Hosea ends up having daughters. I think the one, having kids, and the one kid's name was, was No Mercy. I mean, imagine naming your kid No Mercy. <laughs> um, and I forget what the other one was, but there were a few names in there that um, weren't great. And, and, you know, for those of you having new kids and you're looking for names, Gomer is not going to be one of them that you, you name your daughter, I'm sure. But in uh, Hosea chapter 11, verse 8, there's a wonderful picture of, of God's heart um, for the nation of Israel and to us as we sit here and if we feel that we've messed up or we can't really come back to God because of, of the things that we've done. And he says this, he says, How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Amda? How can I treat you like Zeboam? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my burning anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. And I want that, I want that to sink into your heart tonight. I don't know where you are. I don't know where you are with God. I don't know the journey you've been on, but God does know. And there's a, a, a great paragraph out of actually this, this, the book, um, Not God Enough, that I read quite a while back and then obviously recommended to Kyle. And, and J.D. Greer says this, and um, he's just got such a beautiful way of putting it. I want to read it to you quickly. And it says, why did God put Hosea through this humiliation? And it really was hum hum humiliation. Because there are certain dimensions, and this is what... Um, uh, Carl said, which is so true, so, certain dimensions of God's love that are better experienced than explained. And sometimes God is going to allow us to go through things that are difficult, but we're really going to learn about the faithfulness of God and what his love really looks like. So that when we go through those difficult circumstances, we know what it's like to be loved when we are unlovable. And the power in that, through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and God's, life work, God's uh, love working through us, it gives us the ability to love people who are difficult to love. And he goes on to say, we are also like Gomer, the loved unlovable. God was well within his legal rights to walk away from us. The price required to get us back would cost Jesus his life. God was saying to Hosea, Hosea, you and I both have to give our hearts to people who will truly and utterly reject us. We will spend our years chasing after them. Until you experience that personally, you won't grasp the, the magnificence of my love. God then laments, and I read that scripture to you. He says, oh, how can I give you up? Um, how can I let you go? God has bound up his happiness in ours. He loves us so deeply that he can't just walk away from us, no matter how deep our sin would wound him. 
Theologian J.I. Packer summarizes the truth this way. He says this, By his own free voluntary choice, God uh, will not know perfect and unmixed happiness again until he has brought every one of his children back to heaven. Gomer's name, though not pleasant to our ears, means completion. And it's amazing that Hosea means salvation. So it's a beautiful picture that without the, the pursuit of Gomer, there's no completion. Salvation is made complete when we repent and we come back to God, no matter where we're coming back from. goes on to say, the pursuit of love is God, uh, of God is the greatest wonder in the spiritual universe. When we see his love at work through the heart of Isaiah, we may wonder if God is really like that, but he is. Think about it. Many years later, he would give man trees of the forest and iron in the ground. And he gave them the ability to form that iron into nails and to fashion those trees into a cross. Then he stretched out his hands upon the tree and allowed us to nail him there. And in doing so, he took our sins upon himself. And what a beautiful picture, just in these three stories, of how God pursues us and loves you and me, no matter what we've done or where we're at, even right now. I want to pay us a, a short clip of a story of a man's life. Um, and then I want to chat about it just quickly as we close. The labels, because I'm homeless, because I'm an addict, uh, because I, I'm manic depressive, uh, all those things, he, he's chosen his own path. Let's, let's let him walk it. My name is Roger, I'm 48 years old. Um, I lost my mom and my brother and sister when I was seven years old. My mom committed suicide and took my brother and sister with her. She was 28 years old, she had cocaine, alcohol, abusive husband, abusive relative, and it was an escape for her. You lose your mom and brother and sister when you're seven, you lose your best friend when you're 11, and then you lose your girlfriend when you're 14. You know, well, I'm not getting attached to people. This love thing, this it's real neat and dandy for a couple months, but, but look at the repercussions when you lose it. And so even just subconsciously, that nice little glass fence around you, it, it stays there and turns to steel after a while. After high school, I got a job in the mines, making 22 bucks an hour. I got a Ford Explorer, put a down payment on a house. Uh, I wasn't out of high school a year, and I was already king of the castle. And then a year later, I got laid off. Uh, and I got a job for Via Rail here in Toronto. And then I smoked a joint on my coffee break, and, uh, and the boss came out, and so I got fired. And I got uh, involved with uh, the crack cocaine. I met a beautiful woman. She slept with me by the railroad tracks. I would go and do all my hustling and everything uh, to, to get money for drugs and we'd, we'd stay high. And she got pregnant and uh, and, 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 and that was enough, and we both stopped. Uh, we stopped, we stopped, cold turkey, like, 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 like this. 
and then we saved up some money and we went to Quebec uh, to her family. And she went through the last uh, three months of her pregnancy and uh, my daughter was born. I'd lost a lot in my life, but, but, but to become the father that I never had, all my shortcomings were forgotten. All my prayers were answered. I worked on the back of a garbage truck. I'd get home and I'd take my shower and then I'd uh, wrap up my daughter and take her for a walk in her $200 stroller. And put a lot of love and caring into my, my daughter, but I forgot about my precious uh, baby mother. And uh, it, we kind of grew apart because I like uh, the Eagles and Fleetwood Mac and she likes uh, the Backstreet Boys. She met somebody her own age um, um, it's probably the most unselfish thing I've ever done in my life, but my love doesn't have chains and fences and stuff like that. And I said, well, go, go do it. I came back to Toronto. A month later, I called. He picked up the phone and says, hey, so huh, how does that make you feel? Your daughter calls me daddy. And, and it, was like, it was like a sucker punch for me, and it gave me an excuse to stay here. I was putting the labels on my, my forehead now, well, you're a, a deadbeat father and this and that and that. You had it all and you lost it again. And I started using again. Um, Now for three years I haven't I haven't even talked to them. Ever since I left uh, uh, Quebec, I'm under uh, a bridge. I stay under that bridge because it's the suffering that I deserve. If you're not there being the father, then you, you, you belong there. That determination just to get high so you don't have to feel cold or hungry or anything else, not even you doing it, it's just, it's just patternistic. And, and it's hard to break those patterns. There's a better life out there, most definitely. And drugs and alcohol and everything in the whole world can't compare to, 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 to fatherhood. It's going to be a long haul, but I'm, I'm determined to, to get back there. I still deserve uh, another chance. Everybody does. have those good upbringing or that education or that job or that breakfast that you just had wouldn't wouldn't you want them to just to just stop and say hi are you okay uh, people they, they feel so much better because they reach into their pocket and they give them a toonie and and stuff like that but 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 it's going to take more than toonies to to, to to get that person help 
lend that extra, extra ear, even just five minutes, uh, you'll never, ever, ever fathom uh, how much of a nudge in the right direction that is. And if a couple people can do that, um, it'll get people back on their feet. Aside from good leaders and, and, and good resources and good hospitals, aside from all of it, just start caring more. Um, um, it, it makes a big difference for, for people who haven't had much of it. Sure. You know, many, many times we, we watch testimonies on Josh Jane Live and it's always got to get a good ending. And the reason I chose this one is you are the good ending to people like that story, the, love, the, the unlovable. That's our job, for us to go into the world. Um, we might be the second chance that somebody is waiting for. How many times has God given you a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth chance because of his love for you? I don't know who the people in your life that are needing you to take some time to have a conversation, to care a little bit more, to say, hey, how's it going in your life? What about the people you haven't spoken to in years because of hurt and pain, family members? Um, the, you know, we've all been a Peter. We've all been a Goma. And we've all been um, a Jonah at some point in our lives where we've let God down, but he still pursues us. What right do I have or, or you have not to pursue uh, people because of the, what God has done for us? Um, you know, the, this is a shortened version of that story, but at, right at the end of the interview, he asks, um, he asks him, he says, where do you think you'll be in five years' time? And he says, well, I'll, I'll probably be dead. Um, and that's not to bring this to a morbid close, but it's to bring us to a realization that you might be the only Jesus that anybody ever sees. Um, and so I want to give an opportunity for, for us. Maybe there's, there's some of you sitting here this, this evening, and you need a second chance. Jesus is calling your name. He's pursuing your heart, and he says, it doesn't matter what you've done. The doors are open. Come home. I've died for you on that cross. I've made everything possible for you to come freely. You don't have to do anything uh, to receive my love or my salvation. He did it all on the cross for you. Um, and maybe as we close our eyes, uh, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to pray with you. Is there anybody here this evening that through the stories that we've spoken about tonight that you feel the need to come home, that you need Jesus in your life, that you need a second chance. Is there anybody like that tonight? Maybe just slip up your hand. We want to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. And then I want to give us an opportunity to commit again to saying, God, we don't want to just love where it's comfortable and love easy people, and love our Christian brothers, but Lord, we want to do more than that. You've called us to go and make disciples of all nations, to reach out. And, and so if you want to stand with me, I'm standing. 
And if there's someone or, or something that you need to go and address, you've been running away like um, Jonah, or you feel you've let people down like Peter, or you've been in an unfaithful relationship where people have really let you down and you need to say, God, I need to be you in this situation. I want you to stand with me and then I want to pray for us. Um, and even in your own hearts that you'd recommit your lives to the purpose and the calling that God has placed on you to reach the lost. So if you want to stand with me, don't stand. If you, if you don't want to, there's no pressure, but I want to pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come and move, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, one of the things that stand out with Peter is um, even though he failed and he, he messed up so badly and Jesus restored him on that beach, Lord, you said after the day, on the day of Pentecost, you said, on this rock I will build my church, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that no matter how many times our foundations have crumbled under pressure, and we've fallen apart in many different ways. Lord, you call out our name and you say, on your life, I will build my church. On this broken ruins and shattered dreams, I will build something that will last for eternity. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that when you came on Pentecost, it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives and on Peter's life that he could stand up with boldness under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and 3,000 people got saved on that day. Lord, the world is yet to see what you will do through a life that is fully devoted to you and full of the Holy Spirit. Lord, and tonight we stand and say we want to be those people that are fully devoted to you, full of the Holy Spirit, with the power and boldness to witness for you. For Lord, our hearts is to, to express the love that, we, that you have shown us. We want to express it to the world. And so, God, I pray that even now, for those of us who are standing, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would come upon us in a powerful way, that you would fill us as you did on the day of Pentecost. Lord, Holy Spirit, come and fill this room. Your anointing would flow, that you would give us the strength and the power to love the unlovable people in our lives. Lord, even ourselves, where we feel that we are unlovable, that through the power of the Holy Spirit right now, God, that you would cause us and give us a fresh revelation of who you are that we can never let you down to a point where you would walk away, that there's always a second chance, and a third, and a fourth, and a fifth. Lord, tonight we stand and we commit our lives to you, our lives to you and say, Lord, use us in the way that you want to. Help us to be the light to the people that we've seen on the screen, the unlovable, the hopeless, in a world that is dying around us, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Jody, I don't know if there's anything else that you want to say, but guys, thanks for that. Morning, and um, Carl, awesome job. Well done. Well done. Amen. Have a good week. Bless you guys. If you need